Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Wanna join me? then you're in the right place. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist. Today, I am talking with my friend, Chris Solome. I am so pumped. He has been on the podcast before. He was one of my first guests, I think, uh, when it was still Backroom Beauty Talks. And um, I'm really excited about this conversation because we really dive deep into a lot of different topics. So stick with us on this podcast. Um, You know how I do. Okay. I get into a conversation. I just kind of roll with it and it takes us wherever it needs to go. We talk about being a salon owner. We talk about being a leader. We talk about self-improvement and how it can lead to your success inside the salon, outside of the salon. We talk about so many things, so many very, very, very important things. And I am just so happy that this conversation around growth is leaking into so many different aspects of the hair world or the beauty world in general, right? Because we are not just our jobs. We are not just a hairstylist, a salon owner. We are human beings, right? And our internal struggles, our internal feelings, the voices in our head, like all of the things, they matter. And they affect everything that we do. They affect our jobs. They affect our personal life. They affect the success that we decide that we want to have. So Chris and I go deep into all of those things. I guarantee this is not going to be the um, last time you hear him on the podcast. He is so awesome. I'm going to link how you can find him in the show notes. Um, And before we get into this, do not forget to grab my five ways to find money cheat sheet. Again, it's December. Everyone needs some more money in their pocket, right? 
This is not only going to put more money in your pocket, it is also going to help you become more aware of where your money is actually going. A lot of times there's so many leaks in our wallets that we don't even realize, especially now that our wallets are non-existent and they're literally living on our phone for most of us. Um, So this cheat sheet is going to help you find more awareness around where your money is going and in turn going to lead to a more beautiful relationship with your finances, which you know, if you've been around here long enough, you know that's what I'm all about. So definitely go grab that. Also linking that in the show notes and enjoy this episode. Hi, Chris. Welcome back to, well, welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist that used to be Backroom Beauty Talks because you were on it, I believe, the first year. Yes, I was actually confused about that. So I'm glad (laughs) You clarified. Yeah, we changed the name in September of this year. So it was time for something new. (laughs) And so now you call it the Cash Confident Stylist? Yep, Yep. now it's the Cash Confident Stylist podcast. Love it. I love the name. Yeah, it's it's been a fun change. Uh, people seem to like it, so we're going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we begin this, what I know is going to be such an impactful conversation, um, tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll start by saying I'm a lifetime salon professional um, who thought I was getting out of the industry, actually, mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. And what ended up happening was, was I thought I was getting out of it because I didn't really see um, my place at the time. I I was watching really fantastic influencers teaching passionately about hair, which I was kind of no longer as passionate about as I used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, for me behind the chair, it was always the client connection piece, the community piece, a hairstylist or a salon is a key part of their community. Um, and if you if you really get that, then you know that can keep you there forever. Oh yeah. Um, and um, education became my calling in around 2013. So I sold my salon, and when I went towards education, at some point it became you know less interesting for me to teach a foiling pattern to you know teach a teach a teach a bob. Um, but I started to really get interested in the business building aspect, probably because when you know, I, when I was a salon owner at 22, by 27, I was a broke salon owner, which a lot of mm-hmm. people can can relate to. Um, and in my mind, because I owned an expensive piece of property, I thought, well, this will be my retirement, you know. Um, and then I learned some things. I learned that hairdressing and salon ownership were two different jobs and that I could get better at the salon ownership job. And then the salon boomed and we became super profitable and um, I had a fun ride. And then sometime, you know, a few years later, um, money making is an interesting thing, right? Because people tell you that money's not the goal, but until you have money, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And then then you have it and you go, wow, money's not the goal. I'm really more interested in helping people to jump over, you know, to build a bridge across um, the river that they weren't able to hop over and then to watch them have that experience. And so I got into education. I got into corporate education. I was a director at uh, Kuhn Hair Cosmetics. I was a um, U.S. and Canada education manager at Living Proof. And then, a, you know, I just a few years later, I missed independent salons. 
and uh, started working with a group. And we, I actually co-founded a consulting company, which is still running. Um, and during that time, I just got super clear that, you know, um, the most successful people I see in any business, whether it's behind the chair or any endeavor, I should say, I mean, you talk to people about getting conscious about their money and then taking better action steps. The most successful people in almost anything are people that develop themselves personally. Mm -hmm. And through my life, I could see the parallels between when my life was a mess and it was many times um, that my work life was either messy or built on a house of cards. Yes. And then when my personal life, you know, is flourishing and I don't mean because I had the right relationship status or because I had my, but like when I got chaos out of my way and learned to get more truthful with myself about, you know, what being true to myself meant, um, then my professional life seems to, seems to, you know, blossom. And so like, those are two parallels that I saw enough times in a row that as a close 50 year old guy, I've turned my educational piece now more towards professional development. So you can enjoy the professional results. Cause you know, it, it is, it's been true in my story that no one event, you can never base your life around no one goal that you ever achieved. Like mm -hmm. whether you cross the million dollar in the bank mark or whether you, as an educator, spoke on the largest stage, or as a hairstylist, cut the best bob or did the best balayage. Like the post that you did yesterday is in the past, and mm -hmm. now you've got to trudge the road to happy destiny, you know, moving forward. So I'm an educator that helps hairstylists and salon owners with personal development and building their self-leadership skills. I love this because one of the questions that I ask everyone that comes on here is, and you've already answered it, so I'm not going to ask you, but it, it is, do you think that you can be truly successful if you do not do the personal development aspect? Everyone says no. True success, right? Like, yeah, sure, you can make a lot of money, but are you really happy? You know, that whole thing. Um, so I absolutely, I absolutely love this. I am super curious what, so you said that you were like the broke salon owner and then it turned into the profitable, profit, profit, uh, can't talk now, profitable salon owner. What shifted in between that time? Well, that was a skill set and an understanding. And so um, I think a lot of people can relate to this if you're a salon owner. I was a hairstylist that owned a salon. Mm-hmm. I already you know where this is going. Right. <laughs> I wasn't a business owner that, that owned a hair salon. And so, um, but the thing was, I just didn't know it. I mean, I opened up, I was 22 years old. Um, I used to do hair barefoot. I had a blue, you know, blue mohawk. Um, you know, I was very I would cool. Love to see pictures <laughs> of that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, but, um, and it was super fun, you know, I mean, like, I, I, I want to say that like all stages, can be fun. Some chaos can be fun, you know, at some times. Um, it's just when you're, when you're trying to achieve some sort of peace and stability in your life over time, the wrong kind of chaos, you know, can, can burn you. But, um, but that's really what it was. I mean, there's a, you know, I say it all the time. You probably say it too. There's a difference between 
making money and saving money and growing money, right? There's a difference between owning a salon and being a hairstylist behind the chair. And then not understanding that being a business owner is just a different skill set. And I think some salon owners, if they can, if they can uh, like attach to their gut, could hear it inside of themselves that they don't really want to be a salon owner. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. just thought it was the next step for them to go. Mm -hmm. And I think I did want to own a salon. Um, but I just, I didn't really have an understanding that they were two different things. Yes. Fun story. Recently, this happened to me recently. There has been a spot at the front of my neighborhood for four years that I've been eyeing that I wanted to open a salon. Okay. For four years, no other space, not, I want to be a salon owner. There was a spot and that was it. Tried to get it. Didn't end. They didn't end up taking my, my application, whatever. I was super sad for a day. A friend of mine asked me one question. We actually just had a podcast episode about this recently. She said, were you attached to the space or were you attached to the idea of being a salon owner? And I thought about it so hard for four days. And I was like, 100% the space. The space. Because I have no desire to look for another space. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe one day, not for me now. Mm -hmm. Not for me. And I haven't thought about it since. Yeah. And I think that I agree with you 100% that I think stylists think... That's just the next step. Like if mm-hmm. I cannot grow, if I don't do this next thing, you know, and it's not true because there's such a difference in being a salon owner and then being a leader as well, which I know you talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, what do you think the difference there is? Yeah. To clarify the reason why I can talk about it so confidently leadership, I mean, mm-hmm. is because I've been a poor leader. <laughs> I've been a decent leader and, you know, I'm not being self-deprecating. I've never been a great leader because a great, I've worked with great leaders and they have a different mindset and skill set than I have. Um, I love to get my hands dirty mm-hmm. in the thing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. A leader really does detach from the thing eventually. And they take pride in the process of developing systems, developing people, and that that then becomes their, their thing. And so I, with that said, now I can confidently say um, the importance of, yeah, the importance of being a leader is, it's the most important thing if you're going to own and run a business, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially a business that has other people involved. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you're a solopreneur or not. I don't know if there's a team, you know, working behind you. Um, I'm in the solopreneurship phase with the, you know, with the idea that I'll grow a business out of what I'm doing now. Same. I'm solo. Right. And <laughs> so our skill sets are very much, we have the vision mm-hmm. and then we execute on that vision. We're, we are the ones who execute. Right. What, what a leader does is they have a very clear vision. The vision has to be so crystal clear that everybody around me gets what we're doing and where we're going, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That just communicating that in and of itself is a skill set. And I don't just mean saying it once, you know, I don't just mean we got excited over drinks one night and we were going, but I'm talking about really getting clear about all of the parts and pieces that have to do with that. 
Then there's, you know, the organization itself. I mean, there's, there's the taxes part that we never talk about. Mm -hmm. There's the behind the scenes part. And how can I, as a leader, spend my time focusing on that all while the team happily works in maybe the hardest part of the business, which is the sales piece, the bringing in of money piece, the doing hair piece, if you're talking about a salon owner. So that's where a leader spends their time, right? right? And I don't know, man, I'm starting to think, I don't believe leaders are born. I do think they're made. Like, I think you can develop the skill set, but I am getting really interested in how fulfilled you are doing the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because again, to go back to that salon owner that maybe really just opened a salon because they thought it was the next thing, or they just didn't want a boss. Like, I don't want right. a boss. Or they so want I'm their gonna, own culture. Yeah. So I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Right. So now they're miserably happy mm -hmm. because I don't have a boss, but I hate doing the salon owner part, you know, so they hide behind their chair. Like what a leader does is they start to work themselves out behind the chair because they see the benefit of working on the systems and with the people inside of that business to execute it. So that might've been a long winded way for me to just say that <laughs> I think if you're fulfilled growing people, mm -hmm. not just teaching them, but then staying in the boring process with them. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll use a great example. John Palmieri, who I worked with at 124Go, who were obviously great friends. We were on the podcast together mm -hmm. for, you know, um, John is a leader, but he'll tell you this. He's less the visionary, but he's more the management style leader. Like John, like the can, executor, like he can yes, execute that. Yes. He can execute it, but he can manage the people managing the systems. Mm, right. And he can do that when it's raining out. <laughs> he can do it when it's sunny out. He can do it when it's snowing. Like there isn't a the circumstances don't have to be right for John to continually work with and nurture his team. Right. Whether it's hard, a difficult conversation, um, he's, he can walk into a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. He can walk into a lighthearted conversation. He can bring ice cream when it's time to celebrate. And he can um, write a standard operating procedure when it's time to do that. Um, yeah. you know, that's a little nitty gritty stuff, but I, I just, I say all that to say, like, I want to illustrate they really are different jobs. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I have never had an employee, like, I mean, I've hired out, but mm -hmm. I, I, it terrifies me, mm -hmm. like terrifies me mm -hmm. because I know one, I've always, I'm an only child. I've always been very independent. Mm -hmm. I worry that I would be a micromanager. Mm -hmm. I worry, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it also excites me at the mm -hmm. same time, because in my opinion, it's a different aspect of personal growth for me mm -hmm. to step into something like that. And I think that knowing if, when, when that time comes, knowing that I'm not going to be perfect, mm -hmm. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have to own up to my mistakes. I'm going to have to talk about my mistakes. And I think that's the one thing that makes me feel like I would be good at it. Mm -hmm. 
because of that rather than going, oh, I'm going to have an employee and they're going to do everything I say. Like, right. That worries me when I hear people say that. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what you want to hear. And so um, I want to tell you a fast story. And I've employed hundreds of people in my lifetime. And and the thing is, is number one, I think you would be, you know, it's like somebody telling you you're going to be a great mom, right? Right. I'm sure you heard that before you were a mom. Um, I, you're going to be a great in somebody to work for, like, oh, you know, thank you, you. you're going to have people <laughs> knocking down the door, um, because you care and that, right. you know, and, and that's really like, you know, the number one thing. So I'm 22 years old. We opened our salon on March 6th of 1996. Um, and I went on vacation. Mm. I, th- that day, I mean, we had been working open the second location, blah, blah, blah. I went on vacation for a week. I went skiing. I come back. Um, now, d- you know, I should clarify. I was in a family business. My brother and I opened a salon. Um, my mother and father were hairdressers for years. My mom said, I'll watch the desk. You guys go. Me and my brother, his wife went. We all went skiing. Okay. And when I got back, the place was in order. Like, well, my mother was a business owner. Right. And so the desk was set up with pencils and pens and stuff. You know, in the 90s, we had we had paper books. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, The desk was set up. There was order of the way things were happening. And I did none of it. I just want to be clear. I I, I was not responsible for that. A couple of months down. And then my mother, for the first few months, I want to say, worked the desk for me. You know, we couldn't I couldn't hire a, a person up front yet. So she worked the desk and she saw, you know, that I was a 22 year old kid, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who was full of himself and had a really successful clientele at that time. Um, but um, she said to me, we have to have a meeting. We have to have a staff meeting because, you know, everybody's kind of, we need to get everybody on the same page. And I was petrified. I didn't know what I would say at a staff meeting, you know, like, right. what, what am I going to say? And she, so my mother calls a staff meeting. I mean, it's, it's so, it's humbling to tell this story. I just told it (laughs) on stage to a bunch of people at mentors and masters. And it's, it's, I think it's important because it's where I was at and people see me now and I can talk in front of any group and blah, blah, blah. Um, But that day we, we, we had this meeting and I was supposed to say a few words and I, I couldn't get myself to stand up. I was, I was literally shaking in my boots. I couldn't. Right. And so my mother stood up and she ran this meeting. And I'll remember to this day, she said, we're going to call this the brainstorming meeting. And we just want to get you guys ideas and see where you're, you know, at. And it was great. We probably had an hour long conversation. It was great. And I probably said one word, <laughs> right. you know, like, like I got bagels for everybody. They're over there, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Um, and I don't know if I knew it then, but what I know now is on that day, I learned I didn't know a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a I was a upcoming hairstylist at the time who thought I was the best, right? Mm-hmm. And we opened a business, which I probably had no business opening other than we were making a lot of money at the time. And it's what you thought you did. Um, And that there was a set of skills that I had not even scratched the surface on, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But the thing is like, you can, anybody can learn those things if you care enough and you're willing to work hard enough. Um, And then eventually 
if if you do care enough and you are willing to work hard enough, uh, all worthwhile work becomes fun, right? You know, over time. So you know, yeah. So you had said something earlier about, um, you know, I, I don't remember the exact words, but about essentially like finding like happiness in all the things, right? Like not just like I want to be a salon owner because I want to create this culture, but I actually hate you know, managing people. Like, I think that that's something, um, even outside of the salon, right? Like, so say I say, I want to be a salon owner, but then it affects my life so much. Like, and I, maybe I enjoy all the aspects of owning a salon, but I hate not being with my family or I hate, you know, like not being home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that the, the, where do you think you should start? Do you think that you should build your life and then build a business around your mm-hmm. life? Or do you think you should start your business and build your life around your business? Mm-hmm. Anything I would like, if I gave you a direct answer to that, I would just be speculating and kind of sharing like a- Well, you from know, your experience. Yeah. He, he, so here's what I lately catches my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it relates to your question. So I'm going to go there for a second. In the past two days, I've had three conversations with people in different industries mm-hmm. who are all so far down the path of being ingrained in that industry that it doesn't look like there's a way out, right? You see what I'm saying? Like like they I've want to a, be further along or they're well, stuck in it. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's the mm. only thing I know. Got it. Um, you know, three years, I get my retirement um, stock shares, um, right. you know, and so it doesn't at this point, it doesn't look like there's a way out. Mm-hmm. So if you're already in it, and Michael Cole said this years ago, and I've repeated it thousands of times, like, if you can't get out of it, get into it, mm. right? If you can't get out of your job, get into your career. If you can't get out of yourself, get into your clients, you know, like if yours, if this is where you're at, this is where your circumstances have you, you got the white picket fence outside, you got three kids, you got two big car payments, you know, like, you know, that right now money, this is fueling your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You probably see this a lot dealing with people and their money. Like I've got so much output going on. There's no way I can make a move for the sake of passion. Right. Right. (laughs) Like for the sake of happiness, I, I can't crumble my family um, checkbook, then find a way to get back into it. Cause at some point you were probably had some kind of passion of, about it. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, if you have the, if it looks like, and you always have a choice, this is the other part that I've just firmly believe. Um, you do always have a choice to make a change in your life and pivot, whether you've owned the salon for 10 years, whether you don't know what somebody would do if you, oh, what will they do if I left? I do all the, I have all these responsibilities. Um, what will my friends say about me if I leave? You know, th- there's all this noise, right? Um, you can make that choice, but if it looks like you can't, then get into it. If you're in a place where it does look like you have the good graces to restart, Mm -hmm. then spend a little bit of time answering the question that that Misty just asked for yourself and go, is it more about my lifestyle? Like, am I happy, you know, going to this place every day for work and doing these activities? Do I still find fulfillment in it? 
will I find fulfillment in it 10 years from now? Is there a career path for me to grow? And inside of the beauty industry, which is, you know, mostly who I think we're talking to in this podcast, yeah, there are so many different avenues that you can go that I just don't want people to feel stagnant. Right. Like if, if you're stuck behind the chair, stuck, meaning like if you feel stuck, well, you can become, uh, you can work for a hair product manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You can start a company that assists stylists or salons. You can start your own product line. You can become an educator just to soothe that, um, you know, feeling of giving back. Um, there's a million different. You can become a sales consultant, mm-hmm. and so I think the question that maybe would beg to be asked more, like, is what suits you better right now? Mm-hmm. And then when you start to hear that fire burning again, like that question, am I happy here? Mm-hmm. And answer that question and try to do it as truthfully as possible. Because it's only when you you answer that question for yourself that you can start down a different path. Right. Um, and um, I was somebody who felt stuck. Right. You know, I was standing, I remember this day very well. And then, and then I had the thought repeatedly over time. At one point I was about 16 years owning a salon. And I looked down at the four foot area where my general station was. I had, you know, a couple of different stations going at one time, but generally my one spot where I would cut or finish you was there. And I was like, I've spent fucking 16 years of my life the better part of 16 years of my life in this four foot square. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I saw no way out of it. Mm, yeah. And then what happened? Pain. Mm. A lot of, a lot of pain. I mean, like, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, one of the people that reached out to me that I had a conversation with yesterday says I'm 50 years old. I gave up a 30, I listen to the language. I gave up a 32 year career and moved Mm -hmm. to work at somebody else's salon and I'm still unfulfilled. Um, and you know, I don't basically, I don't know which way is up. I'll paraphrase for a second. And I voice messaged her back because I didn't want to lose my thought. I said, look, (laughs) The only way that you can get, I believe, I believe this, like sometimes clarity, you need space to have clarity, space and time. Mm -hmm. Now you are a great example of this. Over the past few years, you've been developing this new business, Cash Confidence Stylist. Mm -hmm. And you, we do that because I'm in your lifestyle now. We do that sometimes at our kitchen table. Um, going on a run, going to the gym, anywhere I can get away from everybody else's opinions. Yep. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So I can quiet the voices in my head. Mm -hmm. So I can start to hear what my heart's been trying to tell me. Right. And so I call that the fog. If you're driving forward at 60 miles an hour in the fog, you can't see what's in front of you yet. Right. But it's there. Something's there. You just can't see it. You have to have you faith got, that it's there. Yeah. And well, it's there. Like, that's the thing. If you're driving in the fog, the road is continuing forward. 
you hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if not, you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> but you have to drive through the fog until it clears. Right. Right. I want to, I want to, I'm going to switch a little bit on exactly what you just said, but I want to talk about this for a second, because this is something I've been thinking about a lot. So when I started doing this, right. So for anyone listening that doesn't know, I'm going to, I'm not going to do the whole story, but I stopped doing hair for 10 months to go straight. I stopped doing hair. I did not know if I was going to go back or not. And I was strictly just was like, I'm going to be a coach. What I realized that I did not expect was all of these blocks that I had around not getting up and getting dressed and mm. walking into a salon every day, not getting immediate validation from mm. clients every single day, um, being able to sit on my couch and do my business things in my PJs mm-hmm. for two hours only and then having the rest of the day if I want to. And it's taken me two years to feel okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you have went through the same thing. And I, I want to, I don't think a lot of people talk about this because being somebody who literally my job is to give people my mind, mm-hmm. like right. I have to give them my, my thoughts, my, the right questions, like all these things. Mm-hmm. It is very exhausting. And I know there's people that are going to be listening to this yeah. that are 40 plus behind the chair and they're like, fuck you. Like, yeah, you I'm right. Like I'm cranking fall. 18 hours a day and I right, just had a right. varicose vein blow out the side of my leg. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and I get it. I mean, I've, I've been in the industry behind the chair for 20 years, but mm-hmm. there is an aspect of this part of coaching, being an educator, whatever that mm-hmm. I did not expect of learning how to step into a different kind of creativity Mm -hmm. that requires rest. Right. And it has taken me two years to be comfortable with that. Yeah. Do you have a similar experience or something you would like to add or not a similar experience and you have some advice? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the fog that Mm -hmm. you just described. Mm -hmm. It's the, I'm so good at being a master at a thing. Mm -hmm that I don't know what it'll be like to not be the master yet. Mm. Um, And somebody said this on maybe a podcast I was listening to the other day. Adults hate being bad at shit. Mm. You know, like if you woke up and you had to relearn how to walk. Oh, yeah, no. That would be really frustrating. But as a baby, you got a whole group of people like cheering you on because you took one step. Right. Right. So it's. It's one of the things I think that keeps people in situations where they're discontented in a rut, but they go, if you'll hear them all the time, they'll say, well, if you do that, then you have to go back to school for a year. Then I have to get certified in this. And I, you know, it's like they, they build it up to be such this big, you know, scary thing. And it, it is scary because it's the unknown. Yeah. Um, and so I would just say like, congratulations, (laughs) you know, that you did it because most people get scared out of, out of making those shifts. And then they go back to what they were doing and like, look, I ain't going to lie to you. I mean, you know, I'm sitting at a kitchen counter, having a conversation with you right now. Like, you know, this is not what I thought I would be doing as a profession. I thought I was going to be cutting hair for the rest of my life. And that, you know, there's a client like in front of you. And like you said, you, you, you have people all day long, every day telling you how great you are telling you how great of a job you did. 
telling you that, you know, can I take you home with me? You know, nobody mm-hmm. stopped. Like all these things. And then you come home and it's just you and nobody's there to give you, to give you that affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is like, the thing is, is there's no, um, there's no right pathway in life, right. you know? And for me, perspectively, here's how I helped myself with that perspective. For a long time, you know, I flew everywhere um, when I was a manufacturer educator. And so I was, you know, and I was on a lot of airplanes for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And at one day it dawned on me, I'm watching this town as I'm taking off. And I look down and it like dawns on me, like every one of those houses is somebody's entire world. And now I'm just blowing by hundreds and thousands of people's entire worlds. And I'm like landing somewhere else in somebody else's entire world. And so yeah. when have you been to a salon to do education before? I know the uh-huh. answer is yes, yeah. but like, mm-hmm. right. Okay. So they always like, oh, what do you want for lunch? What, this is the best pizza place in our town. <laughs> right. This is the, right. This is the, be- oh my God, we're going to get coffee from the best coffee shop in our town. We're going to get like, oh, this is the, um, we're having a donation this um, weekend for this, the women's club in our town. Like mm-hmm. every community is somebody's world. Mm-hmm. And when you can kind of realize that like your world is really small and yep. your problems and dreams are pretty unimportant to the entire world. If you <laughs> look at it on that scale. And then if you can just disconnect yourself and go, you know what? If I have to take a year to relearn a new thing, yeah, fuck it. Like, fine, you know, fine. I got to take that year. And so it's our egos. Our egos, our our egos want to feel like we're good at a thing. They want to feel like we're being successful. And, um, you know, nobody really in my family understands what the fuck I do for a living. You know, like, amen. <laughs> I had a whole conversation with my grandfather about it yesterday. I was like, people, not a single person asked me at Thanksgiving dinner how my business is doing. They not have one no person, do. none. They have no idea. They think right. that I post on Instagram all day. Exactly. Like, yeah, what, do you mean <laughs> coach people? what does that even mean? And like, people send you money for that? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, they do. You know what my, I will say, I mean, I have lots of motivations. I mean, obviously I want to help Silas, but a part of me, that ego in me is like, oh, I can't wait until I'm making this certain amount of money. And they're like, how do you go to all these places? How do you find all this stuff? And I'm like, well, my business actually like is doing well, (laughs) but you're already successful. Like, you know, you live the life of a multimillionaire, right? Like you're at home right now and your PJs in the middle of a day. I mean, I like you know? to tell myself that. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. No, like, but it's, it's true. Ab- and that, yeah. I think that's the part that that is where I'm at now. But it's again, that's the part that's taken me two years is realizing like a, a lot of times we have this goal, right? Mm-hmm. And this goal, everyone wants freedom. This is what I hear all the time. I want freedom. I want security. Well, what does that look like for you? Well, for me, it's being able to sit and have my coffee for longer and go to the gym and take my kid to school and pick my kid up from school and go on vacation when I want to go on vacation. And the last half of this year, I was like, oh my gosh, like my business isn't where I want it to be. Like things aren't going as fast as I, I'm, I'm very impatient person. Surprisingly, (laughs) the fact that you're not, I mean, like I get it. Yeah. I mean, most people I feel like, especially in the hair industry are pretty impatient, (laughs) Um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm saying all these things to myself and then I sit down and I go, wait, I'm literally living the life that I have dreamed of living. 
Yeah. So why does my mind bring me to this? It's not enough place. So I think that when we sit down, we have to find gratitude one, and we have to love the journey and not think so much about the achievement because the achievement is going to be gone like this. And you're going to want something more as soon as you hit it. I want to directly circle this to hairstylists right now, Mm -hmm. because if, if you just heard like me and Misty say that, our life is good because we get to sit and chill and have our coffee in the morning longer. And you're not doing that right now. Again, they're like, fuck you. (laughs) Right. One of my favorite periods of my life was when I start, I used to start at 7am on Saturdays in the salon. Mm -hmm. I loved my 7am appointment. I would go get a cafe con leche. I was in Tampa, Florida. They have a great Cuban community there. We had a Cuban restaurant right across the street from the salon for years. Good friends, of course, because you're the salon person in the area. Yep. I would go over, I would get some Cuban toast with some guava, get a cafe con leche, get my caffeine on and bam, man, I'm burning through a Saturday. So the the point we're making here is if you're loving your journey, you're successful. 100%. Right? Now, Mm -hmm. there are times as a hairstylist where you're not there yet, Mm -hmm. right? You're still sitting in the back room, not because, you know, not because you're a jerk, because you got nothing to do right now. Right. You've got a four o'clock appointment and it's 12 Mm -hmm. and you're killing time. And there it's, it's, you have to be patient and it's hard. And so, um, but that journey, if you stay the course long enough, will come to pass. And right. now the new problem that you're handling is your busyness. Mm-hmm. And now you're having those conversations about boundaries and pricing and, um, you know, make all of those, you know, all those conversations. So every everything that you do in life is a new set of problems. Right. Um, but I went through the same exact thing. And, you know, it wasn't really until recently that I got real clear that if I'm at the gym during the day, that's a professional activity because I have to have energy when I'm in these conversations. I have to be fully alert and aware. Um, You know, I can't have brain fog and I got to be more interested in you than I am me. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if I didn't take care of me yet. Right. Yeah. I I absolutely love that. And that goes for the same for a hairstylist, right? Like, if you, success tip number one for behind the chair, you know, which I'm super qualified to give, like be fucking super interested in your clients. Yes. Yes. I, I just Done. had the, the podcast I recorded before this, um, we talked about three things that, um, enhanced my business, unexpected things that like enhanced my business. And the very first one was learn how to listen. Yeah. You know, because I think at the end of the day, like actually like let your clients talk 80% of the time. minimum, you know, like, like actually care more about them and, and stop trying to respond to what it is that like, you don't have to relate to them all the time. Sometimes they just want to be heard. You know, I I love that. I, I want to kind of talk about this because there was a couple of topics that we talked about talking about, and I want to talk about taking personal responsibility Yeah, because I excuses used to be my jam. You know, Mm. I want to be a certain way. I want to have a certain thing. I want certain clients, you know, whatever, but it's, it's, 
I would just think of all the excuses under the sun. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started taking personal responsibility and realizing like, hey, if I want to be this stylist, if I want to be this educator, if I want to be this person, I have to change things in myself or Mm -hmm. things that I do go to the gym, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. using the energy thing um, in the gym. But um, what do you think that for somebody listening to this, that is just feeling stuck? They're in that spot where they're just like, I, there's something that needs to change. I don't know what it is. Is there any advice where they can realize what role they're playing in, Mm -hmm. in their stuckness, if that makes sense? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you actually just said it exactly like I would say it. Mm -hmm. Question number one, what part do I play in my story? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, here's a great example my brothers and I are very close, right? I'm about to diss on my brother a little bit and and he would be fine with it. <laughs> um, I, we have, my one brother is, is, is known to complain about everything and it's, we love to rib him about it. Um, and even if he's kidding, it's, it's in that fashion, you know, oh, I'm going to give you a, a funny example. He has this little dog, Oliver, who's a little French bulldog. And every morning when he takes Oliver out for a walk, oh, you believe the stupid dog wants me to walk him every day, every, oh, he wants me to go over here. He's always, right now, the the French poodle is about this big. He didn't put the leash on himself. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) He didn't buy himself. He didn't, you know, like, um, but but my brother's morning misery is all all Oliver's fault, the Mm. dog, right? Um. And he believes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. the biggest part, right? He 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 believes that that's accurate, that it's actually Oliver's fault. Mm-hmm. Now, if he could get to a point where he could have the conversation with himself and say, well, what part did I play in this whole Oliver thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a dog. I went out and bought a dog. <laughs> um. I've gotten this dog into the habit of going for a walk every morning. You know, I've chosen to cook my dog gourmet meals because apparently the dog needs gourmet meals. And, you know, like, like all of these little things, he plays no role in. Right. Okay. But so here's, here's the more serious aspect of it. Your entire life, you played a role in. Now, this could be really hard to to stomach. And I've thought about this, like if you've had a traumatic experience happen to you, right there. And so what I would say to that is like, because if you're saying like, fuck you, Chris, that's not true. Okay. After the traumatic experience is over Mm -hmm. and you've had time to process, how long am I going to keep that around with me? Like, like, yes, that happened. And you were a victim in that, right? Okay. Right. So I, I just want to address that because it's real. Um, but now how, how am I going to finish the story? Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So now back to the person that didn't have the traumatic experience, everything that you have around you, you, you played a major role in that movie mm-hmm. through your beliefs mm-hmm. and then new learnings. I used to, I love, I love to talk about beliefs because they're so real but I don't want to dilute it down and say, it's just your beliefs. No, it's like beliefs and then new things that I'm learning throughout life. Right. 
Now you get to choose the new things that you learn, mm-hmm. right? That you choose that. So if you want to learn how to, and I listen, I'm as guilty as anybody, how to digest a full season of something on Netflix during a weekend, <laughs> you could master that skill um, or you could master another skill that would better your life. So, you know, the, the way I see my life ro- runs a big thing in it. And I've, I've walked through the fog enough to, to be able to admit like, There have been days, weeks, months, or years where I've been like, I don't even want to be here. Mm. Like who signed me up for this shit? I don't want to be here. Like I didn't ask for this. And then there's been days, weeks, months, and years like today where I go like, how long can I, how long do I get to do this for? Right. Cause this is fucking awesome. Right. But those are all that is same person, two completely different ways of viewing the thing. Now that I'm my my, my seer is right. Now I go, well, what are the things I would need to learn to get there? Mm. Right. My vision. I don't know how to do those things yet. What are the things I need to get better at? Then from there, now I start to take a new set of actions. Your new set of actions was quitting the salon and staying home Mm -hmm. to somebody else that looked like you quit a job to you. You, you were starting a journey, right? A new adventure. Exactly. Mm -hmm that had a different outcome that required a different set of skills that you had to learn over time. Right. Right. Then you have to stay in that thing. So I have this funny thing that I say, or at least I believe it's funny, good actions plus time equals better results. Yeah. Better actions plus time. And you can do the rest of the math. Well, how many people do you think, and and I've a lot, I, I can say already. But how many people do you think um, they give up before they even get started? Right. Yeah. Like again, I'm a very impatient person. I knew that this wasn't going to happen mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, funny story. I gave myself one year. I said one year. If this doesn't take off, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm two years, so that's good now. Mm-hmm. But um, even one year is too little. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know how many times somebody says, well, I tried it twice and it didn't work out. So I stopped and it's like, consistency is so big consistency over perfection. Right. And I think that we think that if we don't pick it up quickly, then it wasn't meant for us, whatever that is. I mean, it can literally be balayage, like it can be anything, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, I don't even know if I have a question here. Mm -hmm. I just, this just came to me, but I think people just need to keep going Mm -hmm. and it's going to feel hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like a sign that they're like, no, I'm going to stop. It's too hard. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's some, is it like a gut feeling you get where like things are getting a little hard or a little difficult and and you just still keep going? Like, I know for me, it's that faith. It's that, that road's Mm -hmm. still there for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause I'm like, no, no, no. I know if I keep going, what I'm looking for will be through the fog. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, any advice for somebody who maybe keeps trying and then stopping too soon? Mm-hmm. Well, it's iterations. Mm-hmm. What I mean is, is, you know, um, backroom beauty podcast. Is that what it was Backroom called? beauty talks, <laughs> right? Backroom beauty talks was mm-hmm. iteration. Number one of cash confidence stylist podcast. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you got up the courage to try a thing. Mm -hmm. A 
a few months, years down the road, you still saw the potential in that thing, but you realized you needed to make it better over time. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that there's a business model mm-hmm. for helping people. Yes. Right. So if the thing you're doing has a business model, right? So like, you know, if you told me you invented a thing and that thing had a a use case for a super small niche market, you know, where maybe in your best lifetime, you'll sell 30,000 units at a dollar a piece. Right. You know, then I would say like, okay, great. You're an inventor. Now let's invent something that has a better use case statistic, right? right? So if, as long as the thing that you're lining up in your mind, you can see very clearly like, no, this thing has a use case. There's people doing this. This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just in the mud, mm-hmm. right? Then you never, then you don't quit. Right. If you figure out that you hate it, like I was coaching people, I was coaching salon owners for a little while there. Um, and I don't hate coaching salon owners, but it, it wasn't my sweet spot. It wasn't fulfilling for you. Yeah, it wasn't my sweet. I mean, we I, we had some fulfilling breakthroughs. I helped people do, you know, implement hard things, but it there was more, there was more in there that was trying to get out in a different way. Right. That's where you have to have those conversations with yourself. And that's an evolution. And I mean, that's why business owners in general, like you'll hear the really successful ones go, well, I didn't get paid for eight years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people are like, well, what do you mean you didn't get paid for eight years? Well, yeah, I sold, um, um, I flipped things on Facebook marketplace to pay my bills while I was, you know, whatever. And it's like, people can't fathom that and they don't want to talk about it. Right. Right. Like, you know, I mean, and so. The reality is, is growing a business is super hard. If you're passionate about it, if the thing that you're doing has a use case and you're feeling fulfilled, then nobody will need to tell you to keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of it too. I think people think that every decision they make is so final. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and they they yeah. forget that they can't, yeah. they, you can change your mind. Yeah. And I know that when I went from, so I went from commission straight into a suite yeah. Sweet for two years. When I was ready to do education, I went to a booth rental to like mm-hmm. let go of some of the things. I remember telling myself, nobody said this to me. Mm-hmm. No one. This was a hundred percent the little voices in my head yep. that people are going to think I failed in my suite because I went to a booth rental salon. Yeah. And I think this this happens all the time, right? Yep. I think I do hair um, on Wednesdays only. Now I work one day behind the chair. Same thing. I stopped doing it, decided to start one day a week. Everyone's going to think my coaching business is failing because I'm back behind the chair one day. Like Mm -hmm. the, the mindset that we have is we have bizarre. It's crazy. And we have to, we have to do the personal development part to be able to get through those thoughts. Yeah. Because again, for me, I could have easily let those thoughts sink in yeah. and been like, I'm not doing any of this. I'm just going to, you know, instead yeah. of going, no, no, no. High thought. Yeah. You're not true. Keep yeah. moving on, please. I'm going to continue. <laughs> like- Amen. It's funny. Jay Williams and I were just talking before we jumped on here and he said something that I've been vividly thinking, which is, Almost all of your thoughts are fake. Yeah. Almost every, almost every single one of them isn't even a fact. Like 
I could, after this conversation, mm -hmm. I could be sitting here, I could refill a cup of coffee and then I could start to say, I wish I would have said this. Mm -hmm. And then I could play a fake conversation in which you ask me the question again and I answer it better a second time. Yeah. That's a complete hallucination. They put people in, in institutions for that, right. but, but we're both going to do that after this thing is over. Yeah. Right. Well, the difference between, between somebody letting that stop them. And then like people like us that are going to keep going is if it. you're sitting there, not yeah. even if you're sitting there and you think I should have answered it this way, you're going to write it down and you're going to say it that way again, another day. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to use both. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> And because it's okay with being messy that like, I feel like for me, if I was like, everything has to be perfect, yeah. then I wouldn't have gotten anywhere, but it's like, no, no, no. Like I can, it's, a, it's okay to be messy and still progress. The, I was just at an event uh, recently, somebody, somebody brought up perfectionism and I just said, I don't apply to perfectionism. Like I just mm -hmm. don't, I'm just not honestly, Missy, I'm not that smart. I'm not that like, like, you know, I, I would have been born a different person had I had control over that. Right. I would have had a full head of hair. I would have been six, two, I would have been suave and debonair, right? Like all these things I would have, you know, had an IQ of 160, whatever it was, Right. <laughs> that's just not how I came out. So like right. I already started imperfect for me to like think anything otherwise. But so somebody said imperfectionism or they wanted to be perfect. And I said, Oh, I don't apply. And she said, well, what are you doing here? Because I was going to speak. And um, and I just laughed because I was like, that's why I'm here. Because if I needed to be perfect before I fucking got here, I would have never got here. Right. I'd still be right. home writing my first course. You know? you know what I think is super powerful? If we could see ourselves the way other people see us. Yeah. And I don't think I, I went to a retreat one time and we sat around a fire at the, mm -hmm. the very last day we were there and we had to go around and say how we saw every person in that mm -hmm. circle. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost cry thinking about it. It was so unbelievably powerful mm -hmm. and you couldn't say any, you just could say, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Like you mm -hmm. literally just had to receive mm -hmm. these awesome things that mm -hmm. people said about you. And we need to do that on a daily basis so much more often mm -hmm. because I, I get in my head. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. Everyone does. And, and, and then you have a conversation with a friend and I don't know how many times, like we got on this today and you're like, you're so good at your, your feed mm -hmm. on your Instagram. And I'm like, really? I think I suck. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or people all the time, you're yeah. so brave for starting this thing. You're so, you have so much confidence. I'm like, I am a terrified mess mm -hmm. most of the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if we could just see what other people saw in us. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super true. When I was working with salon 124 group full time, you know, my job was to basically make them look, not make them look good. They all look good. Make <laughs> them, um, show them off online by through video. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some of the team there are just, I should say, ladies, but there's two or three guys in that company behind the chair, but for the most part, ladies, um, they are so good. It humbled me, you know, somebody who is a, I feel like I'm a pretty good hairstylist. Um, but when it came to putting them on camera, mm. some of the, and I'm talking hairstylist whose works would just make my jaw drop when I would walk by and go, 
it's so pretty. Like that hair is so pretty what you just did to it. Can I film your hands doing that? Just your hands. Right. No, no way. Mm. The Why thought do you think of, that is? I mean, you just said it like it's, you know, we don't see ourselves for who we really are. And that's truth telling. Like, like that's where I'm, you know, when I'm out of shape. So there was about a four year period of my childhood where I was a roly poly man. Like I was <laughs> like the little Italian pasta eating roly poly from it. It was probably from fifth grade to eighth grade. And then my high school, I started wrestling again and I lost all the weight. And since that time, I've basically been a normal size, mm -hmm. sometimes a little heavier, sometimes a little lighter, but a normal size. Mm -hmm. Those four years, when I'm 10 pounds up, I just see the little fat kid in the mirror again. Mm. And I mean, I see him like, that's me, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, I mean, everybody knows that we're our worst court critic, you know, blah, I guess. And if you're listening, like the thing is, it's just not true. Like you're, you're just, you're just perfect the you're way perfect. you are. Now you might want to change some things and that's, that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about like the way you came out is just fine. Mm -hmm. And if anybody else, and they don't, but if anybody else sees you or says about you anything different than that, well, fuck them. Yeah. I mean, it's just not true. Well, and that's their own thing. That's their own projections yeah. of themselves that they're projecting on other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, I, I wrote this down last night. So I wrote this down last night because I was thinking about it. The more that I, I lean into like, who I really truly am. Right. I start letting go of all the things people have said. I start letting go of the shoulds. I start letting go of all of the things that like, just make me truly at peace and truly happy with myself. I am slowly turning into who I was in middle school. <laughs> I dress like I did in middle school. I listen to music. I listen to in middle school. Like I do, I play solitaire with cards like I used to in middle school. And it's so interesting to me though. And it's so interesting that we it goes to show that like, we were always great, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and then the yeah. world kind of gets into our heads and things yeah. happen and, and things are said and you're treated certain ways for certain yeah. things. And like, and it clouds so much of like what truly, truly makes us happy. Yeah. And it's, it's sad. So my, my, the whole, this last half of the year and going into next year, letting go of the shoulds is mm -hmm. like my, it's repeating in my head. It doesn't matter yeah. what anyone thinks I should do, yeah. what I think I should do. What do I want to do? Yeah. Um, but it's taken, a, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a journey. It's totally a journey. And it's, and it's, you know, lately my coined term, especially, I mean, it's, it's weird how when you get clear about what you're about, right? Whether that's as a person like the people I respect the most are the people that know how to say no. 100%. Mm -hmm. Right? Like total, like, because they are clear mm -hmm. that this is a no. Yeah. You know? Um, so like when you get real clear, it's amazing what will show up almost immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and what ends up showing up when you're clear is like, 
usually it's somebody else who was reflecting that thing, mm -hmm. you know, like, or, or was in need of that thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you can get cl more clear about better actions, better thoughts, you can tell yourself the truth even greater and more. It's just hard to describe. And I mean, I, I hope it doesn't sound esoteric. Um, you know, I like a couple of years ago, I was legitimately growing a business with very good and very capable friends, but I was realizing that that wasn't going to be my niche. It just wasn't where I wanted to be. And with a, I'm, I'm going to quote, good mm -hmm. job, right? I was in a very secure situation. I had a fine lifestyle, but I felt like a loser. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I felt like a loser didn't that I wasn't that I didn't feel capable is I knew if I stayed there, I was going to have to not live up to what I wanted to live up to. Mm. And I wasn't going to get to address the topics that I want to address. I want to address you as the human being. Mm -hmm. Like, and you're such a great case study because you've been so vulnerable to sharing your journey. Um, so other people can see it. And like, you know, if you're, if you watch somebody online and they're sharing their messiness and you think you're not a mess, well, well, fucking glass houses, baby. Like, right. you know, but if you can go, oh, wow, she's going through a messy time, mm -hmm. but she's still going. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So if I'm feeling messy, I can walk through it too. That's yeah. what, that's what I'd want your audience to hear. Right. Like, like you deal with people's cash flow and money. It's like, if you've been afraid to look at that, cause you don't know how, well, look at Misty. She didn't know how either. Nope. Sure didn't. And no. And she's there to talk. She's there to walk you through it now and hold your hand through it. So like, you know, and that's until you look at your finances or look at your fulfillment or look at your relationship. Maybe you're in a, maybe you're in one messy relationship after the other. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not because your boyfriend or girlfriend was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You there's know, a, there's a common denominator that, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring you everywhere you go. Yeah. No, I think I, I, you know, I could talk about this for so many hours. <laughs> I know we've already crushed like an hour. I know I yeah. was like, I looked at the time. I was like, okay, we're probably gonna have to do a part two. Um, I, I love this. And I love that you're talking about this. I, like I said, I've really been enjoying, um, your reels and stuff lately. Cause again, I, I, I think that this is important and I'm excited that this is where the industry is going because again, I love the technical stuff. I love the, you know, the boundaries and price raises and all that. But like you said, there is a layer underneath all of that, that affects us in a way that needs to be talked about deeper and it needs to be a more vulnerable conversation because yep. it's so easy to say, Hey, say no to that client. But if you are like a people pleaser because of some yep. crazy yep. past shit, like you got to work through it. And the personal development side is, is so damn important. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited that you're talking about it more. Uh, I'm excited. Everyone's like, bring it on, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, totally. Um, and I'm going to ask the, you, oh, and that conversation shifted from 
you have to draw a boundary because they're an asshole. Mm -hmm. You have to take a look at how you created that situation. Every now and then you have an asshole in your chair. Oh, yeah. Now and then. Right. But it's the lowest of percentage. Yeah. 98% of the boundaries conversation was because I walked into that agreement poorly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did that. I haven't had an asshole in my chair in like four years. Right. And it's be, it's when I started with my boundaries and it's yeah. like you literally that energy. I mean, if they come, if an asshole comes in for a consultation, it, yeah. we both it's know it ain't quit. working out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. um, so I'm going to ask you one more question before we end this. I'm asking everyone this at the end of the podcast. Um, what does being a cash confident stylist mean to you? Wow, that's great. I believe we talk a lot about the money-making part, right? So you charge this much for this, charge your worth, charge your this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But as a 50-year-old, 49, soon to be 50, I can say to you, the second chapter of life comes a lot faster than you think. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So if you can start to, with Misty's help or somebody's help, do better things with the money that people hand you over time, you won't have to worry about that overcharging for a balayage because your car payment is due, right? You'll have that cushion. And so, you know, if the, if the, difference between a salon owner and a hairstylist is light years away, Mm -hmm. then the difference between how you make money and what you do with your money are light years away. Mm -hmm. And they're two very different skill sets. So, you know, it's one thing to be a money-making stylist, but it's another thing to learn how to help at least help your money work for you uh, later in life. I can promise you this later comes sooner than you think. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not quite there yet, but coming up on 40 is like, wow, when did that happen? Cause I'm pretty sure I'm still 21. Yeah, You look it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Chris, thank you so, so much. Where can everybody find you? I'm active again on Instagram at mm-hmm. Chris Salome. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-U-L-I-M-A-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started a TikTok recently. And, you know, I guess I'll just give a disclaimer. I, 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 I'm, I'm not a good dancer, so I don't dance. I, um, I'm not as clever as you, so I don't point to words. Um, I just share, you know, things that I feel have been insightful for me. Um, and so... If you don't mind turning the sound on and listening to one minute rants, that's pretty much what I'm doing there. And, um, you know, so that's what you can expect to find. I also do salon workshops still. um, And I have a a super busy first of the year already scheduled, but I do one and two day workshops for salon stylists on the money-making piece. Awesome. Um, And some of that is about personal responsibility at your chair. Um, and then I also do, I work with leadership development with larger salons that are developing leadership teams. And that's how to walk through your leadership journey and how to have greater impact as you grow. So in the inside of the operations 
side. It's also a place that I've spent a lot of time. Awesome. Uh, Do you have a website? No, just DM me on Instagram. Yep. Perfect. And I will put all of this in the show notes, the Instagram handle links and all that stuff. So it's nice and easy for anyone listening. Chris, thank you so much. You are welcome back anytime. Um, Cause I mean, I feel like, again, we could have went for like three hours. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We should do a, we should do like a short, like a, like a, um, like, you know, touch on the four bullet points. We're going to talk about this. We're because, oh yeah, could, I know we could ramble literally. I would say, all or we could just start doing IG lives. So right. that would, I would be down for that. All right. <laughs> Once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one.